we're back. Good afternoon, everyone. Real City Ambassadors here, Rodrigo Duran. I am stoked. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation with none other than Jeff Hunt. Jeff moved to San Francisco in 2000 because he loves the art, the culture, and the history here in the Bay and San Francisco specifically. His journey into storytelling began in 2008 when he co-founded Muni Diaries. Um, he produced biannual live storytelling show starting in 2009. And in 2016, he launched his very own podcast, one of my favorites, Storied San Francisco. He's going to tell us about that. He's going to tell us about his background, uh, certain events that he produces, and the people that he collaborates and works with to create this beautiful piece of art. So without further ado, everybody, Jeff Hunt. Hola. Hola, Rodrigo. Thank you for for having me. This is this is cool. I'm 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 excited to do this. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a, a little. I'm a bit nervous. I'll be very honest because you know you are host of your podcast, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, man, I'm gonna interview the host. You know, it's it's a. Uh, I like it's meta. It, it's very know? meta. I've thought about that because I don't to this like like I've had people on my show who do podcasts uh -huh. but it's never been just like they, like they're like friends so it's a little lesser it's like it's tricky because you're turning the and i and i also have never been really interviewed like this on a podcast so yeah it's like uncharted territory for both of us so let's let's do it it's exciting it's cool i'm into it Let's do origin stories because I know we're, okay. we're going to talk about what you got here in 2000. But where are you from, Jeff? I'm originally born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, yeah, uh, my parents both ended up there kind of by accident. They're from separate, different parts of Texas. And they mm -hmm. met in Austin, uh, UT Austin. They, they were both going there in the kind of like late 50s, early 60s. Um, kind of a cute funny story but my mom was friends with my uncle first i don't think they dated or anything but my <laughs> uncle they were friends and my hey. uncle's all to my mom was all hey you should meet my brother <laughs> and then my dad walks in and he's like you know yeah young strapping west texan dude um really charming i i have to say i love my dad i love both my parents but uh, uh -huh. so something happened they charmed each other and uh 15-ish 12, 13, 15 years later, um, I was born. I'm the youngest of three boys. So sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> the crazy one. Ah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but so, so, you know, I was, I was raised uh, or kind of came of age in the late seventies. Um, mm -hmm. I identify with the eighties was like, you know, my teenage yeah. years um, went through public school. Um, surprisingly, you know, I, I I don't know if I noticed at the time because it was just normal reality, but especially in hindsight and as I got out to see more of the world and the world changed, um, when I look back on my public schooling, like it was fairly diverse. Like it wasn't, it, it might've been something close to like half white, but like mm. plenty of black folks, plenty of Hispanic folks, um, and even some South Asians, Indian, Vietnamese. Um, so, and I just kind of like, especially before middle school, I was kind of like a, kind of a popular kid. I just like, I had friends from all different backgrounds and it was pretty rad. The thing that changed though, uh, I made a conscious decision in the sixth grade to start riding a skateboard, to be a skater. Uh huh. So this is back in 86 and yeah. I know it's different everywhere, but in Texas, uh, at least where I, in the suburb where I, I grew up, if you were a skater, you couldn't do, you couldn't be popular. Hmm. You were basically like ostracized. So from like sixth grade um, on through, through, <laughs> I barely graduated, but anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I had my friends and we were, we were like, we were definitely skaters. We got into music a little later uh, in high school years, but, um, but we definitely were kind of like our own little crew. Um, but through that, I gotta say, I'm very grateful because uh, the music stuff, like I, I was in a couple of bands and we ended up doing little tours, like renting, renting van, not renting vans, we bought a van and, uh, and, and went out and started seeing the world and seeing the country. And I'm just, I think that, that shaped a lot of. 
me. Did you come to San Francisco in those so, tours? So it's funny. Uh, we had we ended up doing two tours um one we broke down in the middle of the van broke down and and we broke down i'll be honest but um it was going to be a huge nationwide tour and because of that like we never made it to the west coast uh but our we ended up putting out a seven inch record i think like four or five songs and it ended up selling better in san francisco than anywhere else even though we never came here what style so of music uh, kind of like e emo punk, I mm -hmm. guess you'd say. Very influenced by stuff that was happening in the 80s uh, in the punk scene in DC, like politico, political emo punk. Yeah. Um, all, which also, I have to be honest, like not only for myself traveling, but um, getting in touch with that scene really started opening my eyes to like global politics and, and yeah. the US's role in it. Um, definitely big awakenings. Like, uh, you know, I, this, this would probably be around when I was about 17, 18, but went vegetarian. I was like, I'm not going to buy gas from Shell because they're supporting uh -huh. apartheid in, in South right. Africa. And, and anyway, I mean, in hindsight, it's just like, like started wait, uh, opening mm -hmm. my mind, uh, to more, to learning about and reacting to how the world works. So when, so when did San Francisco come to the picture? Yeah, my first uh, ever time to come to San Francisco. So after those tours and our band broke up, um, the guy who put out our record and put some of the East Coast stuff together asked us to move out to Maryland to his place, kind of between Baltimore and Annapolis. And we were like, you know, we're like kids from the suburbs in Texas. We we're like, fuck yeah, let's do that. Sounds awesome. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about college. I was like, you know, College is for the man, like fuck that. Uh -huh. um, no way. You were so that punk rocker. Yeah. So, uh -huh. I, so, so we went out there, and uh, we were living there. This is 1993, and some of my friends who lived in that house had basically hitchhiked and and hopped trains across the country. Start that. This is like we're starting to like get influenced at that point by uh, beat generation writers like Jack Carroll. Oh, wow. Yeah, all that stuff. Getting really into that. So they so kind of inspired by that, and they ended up in San Francisco, uh, and stayed here for a little bit. And they'd like send us postcards like we're drinking wine on a balcony, and it's like winter, but it's sixty five degrees. I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this place? Long story That's short. Right. Yeah, long story short, they I, I guess they didn't have it in them to hitchhike and hop trains back to the East Coast. <laughs> so they're like, hey, do y'all want to drive across country and pick us up? And I was like, of course we want to do that. Yeah. So that was my first time. I guess it would have been 93. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't spend a whole lot of time here, but got my first impression for sure so of, of what, the place i mean aside from i can imagine the touristy areas like what others did you go to other places that made you feel like wow this is maybe a place i can see myself living in? at that time i didn't necessarily think about living here okay. um but it but it did leave such a strong impression on me um i i by the time we got here the folks that my friends were staying with were also part of that like political emo punk Mm -hmm. kind of underground scene like 924 Gilman uh the mad here like that mm -hmm. kind of scene um and while I didn't go to any shows there that's those are the kind of folks I was I was kind of running around with like folks who were doing like food not bombs and like other types of like you know volunteer chair charitable stuff um mm -hmm. and 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 I dug that but I you know I I also dug the architecture and the weather and the natural beauty cuz it was like really nothing I had ever seen before. And, and, and I hold that 27 years later, I, I feel the same way. It's like, this place is just not like- Is this Food else. Not Bombs? That's Food Not Bombs, yeah. So, so we, were, we were doing Food Not Bombs. I mean, this, I'm just curious, like you mentioned Food Not Bombs, like why? And I can kind of see, I'm trying to piece things together. Yeah. We were doing Food Not Bombs uh -huh. uh, out in Washington, DC in Lafayette oh. Park, which is across the street from the White House. And so like, that, I don't know, I just threw that out as one example of like the, uh -huh. kinds, the kinds of folks that we were running with at the time. Oh, I see. Um, okay. And because, because we found those people, I was like, oh, m like my kind of people are here. So again, yeah. while I didn't necessarily think I'm gonna live there someday at that time, yeah. I was like, 
I was like, there's, there's really, there's great people there. So, um, and that first impression was so strong and, and, and made such an impression on me. It's something that I often ask, uh, folks on my show, especially if they're transplants, like mm -hmm. I am, I'm like, I want to hear about your first time in San Francisco. Like what, you know, tell me about that. And yeah. I, I think it's something that folks can relate to. Like, any, any, um, I don't know, off the bat, anything that you were like, Hmm, I don't know. I like that, you know, in San Francisco. Were there any time, first Yeah. At that time, not really. I mean, there's kind of like tongue in cheek, uh, you know, mm -hmm. growing up a lot of places that aren't California and especially Texas. Cause we got it. I'm not going to say we, they have a chip on their shoulder. It's envy, yeah. they envy California, but growing up, it's like, Oh, California's going to fall into the ocean. So like that earthquake thing. And like, I was old enough. I think I was like 16 or 16 yeah. or so in the 89 earthquake. I was like watching the world series. I was like, Oh shit, California's gonna fall into the ocean. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's I, I guess if I was like uh, asked to find something that was more of a con than a pro, mm -hmm. I, I would say that it wasn't ultimately yeah anything that you know is like, gonna keep me away. And then um, so, I want to move to 2000 because that's yeah. that marks a. I mean, we didn't die in 1999. Thank God. And you're like. Now I know I want to do something with my life. I'm going to go to San Francisco because it's the millennium. Tell yeah. me about that decision and what, well, how that happened. Sure. So my road to San Francisco from Texas actually goes through New York City. Um, yeah, I know. I, I fixed that mistake very quickly. <laughs> I lived there for um, – I, gra I graduated. I did go back and eventually go to college at, uh -huh. at UT uh, in Austin. Uh, had a great time. Loved it. and. <clears throat> As I got closer to graduation, uh, at that time I had lived on the East Coast and I had lived a little bit in Chicago. So I was thinking like, I wanna try living in a big city. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was basically, it was either San Francisco or New York. And the woman I was dating, young woman I was dating at the time had graduated before me and went to New York. I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna go to New York. Uh, not that it wasn't entirely my decision. Um, I was willing to give it a try. I, I do love New York, um, but, Long story short, a year of New York just kicked my ass. And I was like, I, I still think of New York um, even more so than San Francisco as it has a, like a personality. It's like a person mm. and you can like it. But if you live there, it has to love you back. And New yeah. York just didn't love me back. And I was like, why am I struggling? You know, like working my ass off, not making any money, living in yeah basically like a shoebox apartment um and my a good friend of mine from austin uh had graduated at the same time and he had been here that whole year so i was in new york he was here and he's like yeah you're having a hard time in in new york why don't you come out here and i was like i took a trip in april of 2000 and i was like oh just seriously instantly i was like this is where i need to be yeah and when so two months moving Two months later, I pack, I I did get a rental car because I didn't have a car in New York. Uh, I couldn't find anyone to to ride out with me across country, so my uh -huh. mom flew out. That was fucking awesome. My mom flew out from Texas, and she's like, "Let's do a cross country road trip." I was like, "Fuck yeah, that's right oh, up my alley." Yeah, so that was that was awesome. So that was that would have been in June of two thousand, and uh -huh. uh, my friend who had who had already moved here. Um, he's like, you can, you can just live with me. Um, and that was at, uh, California and Hyde, California, sorry, California and Larkin. California. That was my Larkin. first place I lived. Yeah. And right away, uh, my friend and I ended up starting a band. So help me I, out real quick. Oh, yeah. Right. So for folks that are watching, where are yeah, we yeah. looking at? Kind of like a, like Knob Hill ish. People okay. call it tender knob, but I'm like, it's not really the tender line. It's it's not tender. So Let's it's right that. here. So right here in this area? Uh, yeah, kind of on that line, because I think that's California Street is that line. Oh. Yeah, so like between, the, what did they call it? I can't even read that. But like, yeah. Yeah, so like uh, really close to like the Polk Street mm. corridor, yeah. uh, which is where I feel like I, I naturally gravitated toward that. Um the Hemlock wasn't around yet, but Chemo's was a, a venue that 
that yeah. was around. Uh, I, I think it's Post, Post and Polk. Yeah. And so like for a minute there, my job, which was at Post and Venice, my home, uh, we had a music studio in that same neighborhood. So like my my San Francisco world that first year or so was in in that like pocket of the town. And uh, to be honest, I just, I hoofed it everywhere I went. I rode Muni a little bit, but I was like, dude, walking's faster. And this city is, that's when I learned how walkable San Francisco is. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's not a, uh, it's not an obvious thing, especially if you're not from here and you've never been, you're like, no, it's hilly as fuck. But you're like, nope, it's, it's tiny. It is and, tiny. And the hills, man, those, that's good for your, it's good for your heart. It's good for your abs and your legs. Like, so I quickly learned um, and just appreciated uh, how walkable the city was. Um, even though I, that first year, I didn't leave that area too much. Came to the mission a couple times, discovered mm. places like the Kilowatt and Casanova. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I was pretty, yeah, I was yeah. pretty young and, and, and mid, like, in hindsight, didn't really know how to drink yet, but I, those are the places where I feel like I learned how to drink. <laughs> yeah. And uh, did you, I mean, you eventually, you, did you begin working at the Academy, the Academy of Art University or that's later on? Or did that's you do diaries first? Yeah. When so did I, all that come together? Cause I know that yeah. kind of this trajectory that you are leading right now. Yeah. So I had, I'll just kind of breeze through it. I had a number of kind of odd jobs, uh, mm -hmm. a little bit tech, but I was, I'm, I'm an editor. So mm -hmm. I was never like on the tech side, but you know, working for websites cause that's what just existed. But uh, it wasn't really fulfilling at all. So I decided to go back to school at mm -hmm. SF state. I went, I went for a journalism degree at SF state. Nice. And that's where I ended up um, uh, meeting and hatching the idea for Muni Diaries. So graduated in 05 and I think we ended up launching as like a blog in 2008. And like, like you mentioned in the intro, so um, started off as a, as a blog and we we're like, how, how are we going to get stories of people yeah. on the bus? And then, you know, the, um, the mix. Oh, you got to talk to me about oh, yeah. what may you use and then that process and how did you approach people? So, uh, no, <laughs> you know, Muni, San Francisco, it, 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 you can create a, I think Tongo said it best. You can make a, a movie out of it. You could make a like a 17 part movie yeah. that would have five sequels. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, as far as equipment, I mean, we didn't really know what we're doing. We we're just like, I knew how to build a, like a WordPress blog. I was like, yeah. well, to start is that. And I had heard of these things. Uh, definitely knew what Facebook was, but I'd heard of this thing called Twitter. And I was like, I guess we should get one of those. And like, anyway, uh -huh. long story short, a lot of hustle that first year, just getting the word out. And then slowly it got to that point where it was like, the stories are finding us. Mm. Like we established, um, I guess, a presence or a, right. Like um, just getting out there, which I have to thank social media, despite all its evils uh, for that. Um, and then, uh, I think inspired by, and they're still doing this, um, a group that does a, a, an event called Writers with Drinks. Um, and it's basically for, you know, poets, writers, nonfiction, fiction, any, anyone um, to get together and, and probably do, do readings. And I'm sorry? Where do they tend to meet Writers with Drinks? Back in the day, back, in, back when, when they inspired us to start our thing, they were mostly doing... Uh, at the makeout room over on 22nd. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's kind of that kind of inspired us to do, like to try to put together these live storytelling shows, which is something I had never, never done. Um, and from that very first one, which we were like, yeah, it'll just be like free, you know, with like a donation box. And the bar, I remember they were like, they were like, that them? Uh, that's them. Yeah, Charlie Anders is kind oh. of the spearhead of that. She's amazing. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it yes. Yeah. Uh, in summary, the first show was just such a hit. Um, I remember the bar was like, there was like one bartender and they were like, oh shit, I wish we had known because they needed a little more than one. Anyway, <laughs> but that got, that really got me going on the live storytelling thing, which, um, that lasted starting in 2009 until I left in 2016, we were doing at least two of those a year. Um, I'm not going to lie, a lot of work, 
putting on live events like that, mm. but always just so rewarding. Um, the whole experience, but also the folks on stage sharing their stories. And that was a big part, um, I'm, I think, informed what I'm doing now. Mm. Um, toward the end of my time, I wanna give some shout outs real fast. Uh, no, no. Toward, toward the end of my time when I was still with uh, Muni Diaries, I met the woman who's now my fiance, Erin Lim. And uh, she, I guess at the time, her podcast, Bitch Talk, was about three or four years old. They're about to celebrate their oh, 500. Oh, no way. Your fiance does bitch talk. I follow She's them. She's bitch talk. So she's there. <laughs> I'll, I'll plug this That's later, cool. but they're cool. about to celebrate their 500th episode. Anyhow, so I came, in, uh -huh. I came into that world and I the was just like. The household of podcasters, uh huh. Oh, uh -huh. yeah, that's us. We're, we're, we're that couple. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. <laughs> no, but I was like, right away, I was just so inspired um, by what she had been doing and was still doing. And I was like, oh, so so my thought was we could, um, all the Muni Diaries events had been videoed. And I was like, we could strip out the audio and make a podcast out of that. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. Um, excuse me. And and so I was I was with that for a little bit. And then that's when I decided to leave. And for a minute, I, oh, go ahead. That's tell me. me. About, yeah. Tell me about this photo. I mean, I, I pulled it yeah. off your LinkedIn account, but I thought, I, I love it. You know, it's like, yeah. you have the sign, I sign up to tell a story. What is this all about? So um, we always wanted to make those shows, uh, you know, like we, we had our lineup, but we also wanted to leave room for sort of an open mic type portion of the show. Mm. So that's what this was. Um, I'd be there, I think I was always the one manning the table, but it was like before the show, you know, we have like a 30 minutes or an hour or so from people to mingle and and if they wanna share their own story, cause that was kind of more in, in keeping with the spirit of the project. Like, I see. you know, we, we wanted to get like storytellers and people who would put on a good show up on stage, but also make it more about the community and like anyone can share their story. So that's what that's what that picture is. Okay, yeah. okay. So I'm like, damn, I was young and a few, more than a few pounds lighter. Anyone pre-COVID was young. <laughs> and then you look at post-COVID, we're all old yeah. now. But uh, no, it's and going back to then building, creating storied SF. Yeah. How did the name come about? The project and so on. So for a while there, when I was still doing Muni Diaries, I had started thinking, um, as much as I love Muni and it's it's a constant source of mm. life and stories. I was like, yeah, but then I, there's this, there's this city, there's this town, there's this area. And, you know, I, I already had already been thinking like, I want to get off the bus and, yeah. and explore more of, of that. But I gotta be honest, uh, when I left at first, I, I kind of, cause I'd been doing it for eight or so years. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Um, for a minute there, um, I I think it's kind of a funny whatever story, but I was thinking about trying to bring breakfast tacos to San Francisco. So breakfast tacos are a real big San Antonio, Austin thing. Okay, tell me about and it. And I was like, you know, we got all the ingredients here. We got dope ass tortillas. And it's uh -huh. basically just like eggs, beans, cheese, potatoes, maybe chorizo, got it, got throw it. whatever you want in there. And so I started, uh, I, I was kind of serious about it. I was like, to make a mark and to like make this stick, you gotta have good salsa. So I started working mm -hmm. on salt. This is like the mm -hmm. summer, no, sorry, the, the spring of 17. And I started working on making a green and a red salsa. I was like, yeah. uh, you <laughs> Did know. Did you go to Mexico at all <laughs> to I drive the map? I didn't. And, uh -huh. and I think that speaks to like how I didn't get quite serious enough about it. Uh -huh. I started thinking like of what it would mean to, you know, to either to get a truck or to find a brick and mortar and mm. also total respect to anyone in the food industry. Cause that is mm -hmm. such hard work. And I started really thinking day, about day. it. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, do I want to do something completely new mm. or, I had that idea of doing, so marrying uh, story, San Francisco storytelling with this new medium that I really enjoyed doing, which was podcasting. And so right around the time that I made that switch from breakfast tacos to, to podcasting, um, I had known Michelle Kilfeather for 
roughly a year. And sometime mm. right around that time, she's, our relationship was that she's a bartender and, and I was a bar patron. Um, but I would always sit at her bar and got to know her and stuff, but somehow missed that she's this amazing photographer. So one day she just mentioned it. She showed me her Instagram. I was like, holy shit. And then I went home. I don't know if it was that night or, or you know, in the next couple of days, I was like, what if we bring photos yeah. into the storytelling medium? So that's Michelle. And I got to say, yeah, another- You were or Yang, and I love that. You know, you all play Batman and Robin. I love that about yeah. your podcast. Oh, shout yeah. out to Michelle, really? Yes. Uh, I want to meet you one day. And, and Oh, you will. Yes. You will. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. So, and then uh, how did how did y'all get it? Uh, podcast married. Totally. So, so once I decided, oh, that would be rad if she would. Then I was like, I maybe kind of like what you're talking about. Like, I was a little nervous because uh -huh. I really wanted her to to do this, and I don't think I had talked about the project with her before at that point. But so the next time I went into her bar. I mentioned, I was like, cause she probably knew about the breakfast taco thing. I was like, that's done. That's done. I'll make him at home from me and my friends. Uh -huh. and I, I was like, but I'm going to do this podcast and, you know, super nervous, even yeah. though I'm like drinking a beer, but I was like, and do you want to join? Like, do you want to be the photographer? Do you want to do this with me? Yeah. Her eyes lit up. She's just like, yes. So a big part of that is that like kind of a running conversation in that year that we had known each other was um, cause she has a background in art. She moved here a little before I did, but art and photography um, mm. and, you know, music and bartending, working class folks. Yeah. So we had had so many conversations about what is happening to this city. Mm. Um, and at that point, you know, this is three, three or so years ago, three or four years ago, um, you know, obviously, it is still happening in a sense, but we decided that with Story San Francisco, mm -hmm. it was going to be our reaction to that instead of just sitting around mm -hmm. complaining about what's mm -hmm. happening and, yeah. you know, hoping that you are able to keep a job and keep your rent control and that kind of thing. It's like, no, let's sell it because there is still a heartbeat here. Yeah. And it's strong. And so, um, so right away, you know, we, we started the folks we started having on the podcast right in the beginning, bartenders, comedians, journalists, uh, artists of, of all stripes, eventually some, uh, some teachers, some doctors. Um, there it is. I want to see, I want to showcase some photos, you know, and also yeah. you're talking about the people that you interview. Yeah. If you haven't um, checked them out, um, do so today. And listen in. Yes, please. Yeah. So fast forward, you know, three years to where we are now, and we have we're getting up to close to 140 episodes over three seasons. Wow. So yeah. So that first year, you know, there was kind of kind of the approach that I took with Mini Diaries, which was just let this thing grow organically. Um, just mm -hmm. start doing it. Start doing the hustle. Putting it together. Scheduling. Recording. Editing. Taught myself. Garage Band, which is what I still use, just kind of basic, yeah. basic audio editing. I got to give another shout out to Charlene Goto. Um, she is the producer on Bitch Talk, a good mm. friend of Aaron's, and I consider her a good friend of mine as well. She was, uh, she was like my consultant because she's been podcasting even since even before they started Bitch Talk mm -hmm. in 2013. She's like a pioneer wow. um, and just super helpful. Got me hooked up on like, uh, like all my audio equipment. Um, setting up a, a podcast hosting site, which I, I use Libsyn for now um, and all that. And just, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of beyond going out and finding people and sitting down and getting there, yeah. what it takes to do a podcast. So I, I really have to thank uh, Char uh, immensely. And, and I think I already mentioned, but the inspiration that Aaron brought from Bitch Talk is, is enormous. But um, yeah, so that first year, we just kind of hit the ground running. And I think what we did was got to the point where we had four episodes, three or four episodes ready, and then we launched, right? Because you got to oh, get okay. some leads. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, and somewhere kind of early in that first season, we started finding folks who 
when we recognized it at the time, but especially now in hindsight, certain people that we would meet and have on the show ended up being hubs and giving us so many more people. Yeah. Right. And that's just the nature of, I, especially a town like this. It's like, if you meet a couple of the right people, it just fans out from there. And mm -hmm. so, so now. What was that moment that where you felt like, wow, uh, I'm not doing a lot of outreach as I was in the beginning and I'm getting, uh, you know, feedback from others and, and interest from people. When was that? When was that? So, so late in the first season, uh, we, and this was kind of serendipitous. So Aaron's brother, Daryl Lim, who's been on the show, um, and he's a born and raised San Franciscan, amazing guy. Uh, he's also, you know, in my family, but I can, I can say objectively, he's a, he's a really, really great guy. And his birthday must have been in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, we had dinner in Chinatown and he brought a couple friends. And one of his friends, um, the husband of a lifelong friend of his, uh, is a dude named Mike Lynch, who I ended up sitting next to at dinner. And thank God, because he and I just hit it off. So he, Mike's, uh, the, the relevant story is that he runs a screen printing shop called Babylon Burning down over mm -hmm. up south of Market. Um, and he, so I was like, I, I friended him and I was like, so, hey, you want to be on my podcast? Uh -huh. And through Mike, like directly through Mike, but also a few folks who Mike might not have known personally, but who knew about Babylon Burning, that was like the first kind of big hub. Mm. And that's Babylon Burning. Wow. They're dope. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen these legacy business. Yeah. Um, and just, I oh. mean, just the best people. Super generous, super creative, all about you know supporting arts and artists. Um, very, uh, very fortuitous meeting that night at the at, at dinner in Chinatown. So, shout out. And to where Mike are they Lynch. located? Shout out to Babylon Burning. Yes. Where 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 are they? They're on six. Uh, they're in an alley. Uh, called Bluxem between fourth mm. and fifth. So, mm. and, and Bluxem is between, I want to say Brandon and Townsend. I hope I have that right. Um, so they're over there pretty close to the ballpark, pretty close to Caltrain. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, they, they do, they're, they're like a wicked uh, screen printing operation. Um, mm. They just, they're, they're like a well-oiled machine. Uh, super, super cool. They have a gallery in the front of, the shop there called yeah. 63 Bluxom Gallery. Um, Mike's brother, Clam Lynch, runs that. And it's, yeah, they're just, I'm so, so grateful that that we met them. Um, what was that first season like for you when, when you wrapped it first, you know, and then I want to ask, when did you decide this was season one? And, <laughs> you know, what are some kind of takeaway from that season? Yeah. So, um, so we're, we started off and we still are a weekly podcast, right? Mm -hmm. So so each episode, even though a lot of episodes are broken into part one, part two, um, each episode is a week. And so somewhere in the middle there of that season, we realized we're like, damn, this is a lot of work. Uh -huh. We're going to need some time off. <laughs> and so I was thinking, I was like, okay, 52 weeks. What if we gave ourselves three weeks off? Okay. And that number 49 is a little bit significant Bingo. around here. Bingo. <laughs> so we're like, perfect. We'll call it season one, 49 episodes. Uh -huh. um, so it was, it was realizing through doing it organically, just realizing how much work went into it. Um, mm -hmm. At the time, also Michelle was uh, shooting all of our guests on film photo. So there was like a little bit of a lag of like getting the film yeah. process developed and then scanned for, the digital stuff that we were doing. So um, she switched to digital now. It's a whole, that's a whole story. But um, so, but back then there, there was also a little bit of uh, more of a lead time between mm -hmm. when we could record and when we could publish. So, but, um, but we did uh, going back to the story, the live storytelling thing. We did realize toward the end of season one, we're like, mm -hmm. let's do a live event. Um, and we're going to have it, we're, it's going to be poetry, it's going to be storytelling, it's going to be art, it's going to be photos, it's going to be sculpture. We just like wanted to celebrate the arts in San Francisco. So that first show that we ended up doing, what's that you got there? That, oh, is, no, that's nope. a little later. No, the first oh, okay. show we did um, was 
I'm so, I'm totally blanking on the name of the space. It's an event space in South of Market on Folsom near Seventh, and it's just huge gallery with like okay. huge walls. Um, their normal clientele was like tech companies who pay top dollar. Uh -huh. but they're like, we like what y'all are doing, so we'll let them subsidize y'all's event for sure. Uh -huh. And we're like, right on. So, um, so yeah, so it was such a huge show. Uh, we learned in, uh, after the fact that we probably were a little over ambitious as far as, I think we had 18 between photography and uh, like painting visual art. Yeah. We had 18 artists to wrangle. Um, wow. And, and oh. God love them, but but were like, these all, were these all from your podcast or just artists that you wanted to highlight? Kind of a mix of okay. folks who had already been on, and then folks you know we just knew, especially uh, Michelle and her connection to the photography and art world. Of okay. um, yeah, and then we got a, a pretty awesome lineup. Um, we got we got Brocast Stewart to be our MC for the storytelling. <laughs> nice, which he had been on the podcast uh, before that. So, um, and we, we ended up calling it two storied nights. And so okay. the thing was, it Why? was like, yeah, it was like a, the night first night was like an mm -hmm. art opening with okay. all the art up and, uh, free to the public. Uh, I think we had a DJ and like, you know, we, we like left out some snacks. We had like a bar where people could buy cheap, you know, beer and wine and stuff. And then the second night was a ticketed event where we had the storytelling nice. folks. So, um, and, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, like I said, we, we learned that we were probably a little over ambitious having that many people and doing two nights, um, mm. was a little bit much. So how did you pick the people that did live stories? Because one thing is having a podcast. The other thing is editing and then live in front of people. How did you right. pick those individuals? Cause they have to be very comfortable, right? Yes. So, um, I think maybe I took a little bit of what I had learned with Muni Diaries and, and mm. that project. And um, so uh, uh, our storytellers at that first show were all folks who already do storytelling or do live poetry and mm. that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and they were folks that we were lucky enough to meet that first season. So mm. we already had relationships with them. We already knew them and their stories and, and also their art and what they would bring to a live yeah. event. So that's how, that's wow. how we put that together. I'm um, taking notes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm steal the secret sauce from Jeff. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, kidding. no, the yeah, uh, what, I, and just I, I, I got to emphasize how how grateful we are um, to know all of the people that you know that we've had the the fortune of having on the show and be part of our our live events. So fast forward to the end of season two. The lessons that we learned from the first one, uh -huh. uh, we ended up putting on a show called uh, Love Letters to the City. And I got to give a shout out to Sherry Franklin of Muttville. So she, we had her on the show. And I think it was when I sent her the link to her episode, she listened and she's like, she's like super into it. She's like, this turned out to be really great, Jeff. It's like, I, she's like, it sounds like a love letter to the city. And I was like, oh, shit. Who That's does the art? To, so, this is amazing. Another shout out to uh -huh. Lil Tuffy, uh, a, a friend of ours. We've had him on the show. Um, uh -huh. He was nice enough to do this uh, original art that was uh, hand screen printed. Wow. Um, we, still have, we still have posters. If y'all want to donate, we'll, we'll send you a poster. And they're large. Uh, I forget the exact size, maybe like 14 by 18 or so. Yeah. They're pretty big and they're super. Yeah. When he, I remember. The day that he sent us that art, I was like, oh, shit, we made it. Because, <laughs> I mean, look at it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, and I, I'm not taking is. credit for it. Like, it's his art, but it's but it's for what we do. And I was just like, oh, man. I was like, and Michelle. he did this, okay, so right before so the that pandemic. Was, this was back in January. So oh. it was what we did that first season and then this with this show, we kind of mm -hmm. made them, like, you know, like a wrap on season one slash a launch of season two. This mm -hmm. one would be a wrap on season two, launch of season three. Wow. And I remember we were, because um, that gallery we had done the first show at, they're like, we can't do those anymore. Not because of the pandemic. They're just like, we can't right. give you all that, 
that deal. So we're like, okay, we're broke. We don't have any money. So <laughs> how are we going to do this? And another just coincidence, we were out at Mike Lynch's house. Who's Mike Lynch? Oh, sorry. He's Babylon Burning. Okay. Got it. Got it. Going back. Yes. We were out at his house recording his daughter, Ava, for the podcast. She's amazing. Look her up, Ava Lynch. I will. Just anyway. Um, and I had dinner with them that night, another dinner with Mike Lynch. And he's like, why don't y'all just do this show at our gallery down on Bluxem Street? And we're like, boom. What? Uh huh. It ended up being like uh, even even a like digging in further to just how generous and how fucking awesome Mike and his wife Judy are. When was this? When when did you all put on the the, the show? The show. So that was yeah. It was uh, the the opening show was January 11 of this year, which is I'm like that was like 17 years ago, but yeah. And then we decided because it's called Love Letters to the City, uh -huh. and we're working closely with the gallery owners who have given us this space for free, which is amazing. Um, and it's love letters. So we're like, we could have it up until Valentine's Day mm -hmm. and have a closing party on Valentine's Day. So the opening party was uh, three poets, um, Cassandra Dallet, no, sorry, two poets and a band. So Cassandra Dallet was uh, one of our poets, Kara Morrison, and then Ava Lynch's band, Preschool, played. Um, super cool show. I think mm -hmm. everyone had a good time. It was like, it felt kind of, kind of old school, almost like, you know, like a, like an art show you might've gone to in like 98 or something. Um, super great turnout, super great response in the gallery. So that was like in the, the screen printing shop part of, uh, Babylon Burning in the gallery. We had, um, uh, we had, I think four four or six photographers i'm sorry i'm forgetting yeah. right now but but like the the their photograph just a just a photo show and oh. their photos and then we had a projector that would play this kind of compilation of different excerpts from the podcast along with michelle's photos of those people projecting on the wall but i this might have been my favorite part uh my neighbor another shout out to Lindsay repco my good friend and neighbor she's a super crafty person and she's like i have this mailbox and we could put a mailbox and have some stationery for people to write love Ooh. letters to the city and put them in the mailbox. And we left that up the entire duration of the show. So the show was up for, I guess, five weeks or so. And we got a bunch of letters and I was, this is like right before pandemic. I was like, we're going to do some, we're going to do like a zine. We're going to like maybe do a reading of all these letters. The pandemic hit. So that's still kind of on the back burner, but, mm. uh, but yeah, what a great, and then we had a closing show on the 14th on, on Valentine's Day. Uh, we had a friend of the show and someone who'd been on before, uh, Brian Belknap. He's a one-man band, and he was like out on on Bluxom Street with his one-man band playing music for folks. The photos were still up. It was just a really, you know, especially now looking back on live events that we used to be able to do very yeah. easily and, right, and right. be in. For granted almost. Absolutely. Yeah. To be inside of a crowded venue, um, you know, that's it, I'm just super grateful that, that we were able to get that off before this all hit. What can you tell me about this organization so, and how it relates to you? Absolutely. Happy to, uh, to, to not only to mention them, but to give them props for, for what they're doing. So uh, this story goes back to a hot tub up in Mendocino for me. <laughs> As, yeah, as these sorry. things do, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, so our, uh -huh. I, I, I met Dara Kosberg through my fiance, Aaron, and we were having Christmas up in Mendocino and Dara was like, we, we were talking to her. She didn't have anywhere to go. And we we're like, come on up and hang out with us. So um, it was in that hot tub that she told us about this new thing that she uh, was working on called Reimagine End of Life. Mm -hmm. And it was all about creating spaces, uh, physical spaces, online spaces, any type of media, art, um, yeah. to to talk about and deal with the very human issue of death and mm -hmm. end of life. Not like we're not only talking death and after death, but you know, hospice care, um, mm -hmm. folks, just really encompassing everything because it still is, despite all the good work that Reimagine and, and other folks 
around the country, other folks in the Bay Area are doing, death is still a taboo folk subject right. for a lot of people. Um, and so this, one of the main goals I, I would say of Reimagine is to destigmatize that. And because it's something we all share, let's talk about it. And so um, in that hot tub, not only did Dara tell us about this project, she also pitched both Bitch Talk and Storied San Francisco to do something for them. Oh. So that first year um, of Reimagine, we put together a show called Working With Death. I think you had it up on the screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so so I kind of wrecked my brain. I was like, what, what can we do? Um, we had had the good fortune of meeting, thanks to Peter Hartlob of The Chronicle, we met this dude named Graham, Graham Cowley, excuse me, um, who for at least a couple decades uh, was, worked in the SF medical examiner's office. Fascinating guy with, you, as you could imagine, so many good stories. Yeah. And then a couple other folks that we ended up meeting uh, through putting this show together who work, one of them works in hospice um, and the other does a little bit of hospice work, but also um, uh, grew up very much like in the HIV AIDS world, um, in and out of hospitals with their mom. Um, and I knew was a storyteller. So we put a get together a show with, that's Mason J. Um, mm -hmm. And then the other woman who works, she, she's a, a physician who works in hospice. Her name is Yeva Johnson. So it was those three. And uh, Reimagine put us, super awesome, put us at Cafe du Nord that year. Mm -hmm. I have, I've always loved Cafe du Nord and I was like really stoked to be doing our own show there. Um, and that went off so well. It was such Where a- Where is like, Cafe du Nord located? Yeah, so Cafe du Nord is, I, I guess you'd call it kind of like Castro Dubos Triangle. It's on market, mm. I think between Church and Sanchez, if I've got my geography right. If I can pull um, it up real quick. Yeah, it's a building. So downstairs is Cafe du Nord and upstairs is the Swedish American Hall. That's Cafe du Nord, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So, and then, so that went so well. Uh, the second year, and this goes back to a frame you had brought up earlier of the laundry over in the mission. So mm -hmm. Reimagine asked us to come back and, and do something again the second their second year. And so um, I think this was this was Dara's idea. So credit uh, to Dara Kotzberg was uh, for us to do a gigantic map of San Francisco. It was like this big ass roll up vinyl map that we did of the city. Uh -huh. that, sorry, another shout out to Jim Murphy who designed our logo um, and he designed the map for us. But we wanted to have something interactive, right? So um, folks could come and we had these like numbered stickers that they could put on the map and then write in this like journal that we had mm -hmm. with their number and write their story that that goes wow. back to that place. So the theme, I guess, or the title of our show was, is it was a question, which I think is still up for debate, is San Francisco dying? Mm. Mm. Um, and folks were free. We, we didn't want to uh, editorialize on that too much. Folks were free to weigh in on, on their opinions on that topic or just share stories um, that themselves would speak to is San Francisco dying or is it just in a constant, another constant state of change? Um, At the time, what, what was the general consensus? Kind of a mix, I'd mm -hmm. say. Yeah. After the fact, when we, when we got that journal and yeah. uh, really started looking at it, I mean, first of all, just awesome stories. So thanks to all the folks who shared, I think we ended up with, about 40 or 50 different stories. And and it was awesome because on that map, you know, they corresponded to the stickers that were really all over the city. Yeah. Like pockets of the city I probably still haven't been to. Um, so that was really that was really rewarding. I'm curious to know if depending on what side of the city um, what the stories are. Yeah, what the stories were. And, and what the opinions are, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 You know, um, I would say a mix. Yeah. A mix. And I and that probably speaks to folks' experiences and just their attitudes in general. I think I mentioned to you, I'm possibly like a, an eternal optimist mm. to my own, to my own detriment. <laughs> but I'm always like, you know, like even in a pandemic, I'm like, yeah, this sucks, but it's an opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, I, I don't 
personally want to believe that San Francisco is over or that it's dead. Mm -hmm. um, I recognize, and, and I don't think I'd be doing Storied San Francisco if I believed that. There are a lot of folks here, whether it's their work, whether it's their art, whether it's just their, their place in their own community or their attitude toward other folks or what they're doing here. There's so many people here who are adding to the experience. Uh, and not taking from, but mm. adding to. So I got to weigh in on this side that no, San Francisco is not dying. It's a huge bummer what has been happening the last roughly 10 years. I'm not, I'm definitely you know against gentrification. I'm against displacement, especially of working folks. Um, but I'm starting to see signs of hope in community leaders and some of the folks that are getting into elected office. Um, I'm seeing a lot of younger, more BIPOC diverse folks that are getting in non-binary. Um, I'm seeing a change and I'm latching on to that because that's what I hope for San Francisco to become is a more welcoming, back to kind of maybe a version of what it used to be, a place, yeah. for, a place that welcomes folks and fosters creativity and fosters, you know, a hardworking, appreciative communal you know, and we enjoy the quirkiness of San Francisco, right? Absolutely. You know, it kind of weird, you know, shout out to Portland, but we do yeah. it in a, in a separate way here in San Francisco. And I want to kind of, I want to get a little personal. Let's and I want to share this photo. Uh-oh. Yeah, she's a... I What's mean, going I on over here? If and I turn... Uh-huh. Go ahead. She, she's right over here. Uh-huh. But tell us about what this whole event was about and how, you know, you know, when you talk about San Francisco staying alive, like it's events yeah. like these, right? Yeah. That you realize like you're living in a community, but why Why am I showing this photo? Well, a quick shout out to the Roxy, which I got rep repping yep. right yep. here on my, yeah, there's a Roxy. The I love Roxy, uh-huh. Love the Roxy. So um, my fiance, Erin, uh, before her current gig, she was a film publicist. Um, mm. And so the company, she had already left at the time, but you know, she, she kept in touch with some of those folks. And they knew that that we have dogs. This movie was coming out by Wes Anderson called Isle of Dogs, and they were doing a premiere, like a or like a I'm not sure what they call it. In, yeah, in that world, but um, they're doing an event with a red carpet for dogs. B Y O D. Yes. <laughs> so we were like, well, of course, this is Co sorry, this is Cokie Monster Hunt that you're looking at on okay. the stage. So. Yeah. Um, she's our dog, but, but she's my dog. Um, and so uh, we knew that she'd be perfect for this. We got our neighbor, um, Steve, his name's Stephen Holland, but his dog's name is Charlie Bucket. Uh -huh. And, uh, and so we all went out there. We didn't know it, but the New York times had a photographer and a yeah. writer out there. And yeah. so Charlie Bucket and Koki ended up being in the New York times as a result of this. And this is one of their photos. Yeah, there, there she is. Right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your Rodrigo, your sleuthing is is uh, is a number one. It's it's really you're good at this. No, I love it. You know, and and, and I see, I saw that image, and I read, I read on it, and I was like, man, you know, you, I love how you you really understand the the culture and the essence of San Francisco. I mean, you've been here for you know. I always tell people like I want to interview people that have at least had a quinceañera here in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I have to think back to 2015 when my quinceañera might have been. <laughs> hey, I think I'm overdue. I need one. Let's let's you, get it. I'm gonna throw quinceañera RCA sponsor quinceañera for story that stuff Thank and Jeff. You. But um, no, but on the real, like I want to interview those folks because they've seen the changes in San Francisco. Like you said, it, it, it goes through these ebbs and flows and only the folks that really want to uh, make a, a create a community state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 I think I probably mentioned this a few times, but um, I have just immense love for working folks, for creative mm. folks. And mm. I think the theme that connects that, the, those types of people and what I'm talking about is giving, is contributing. Yeah. Whereas what I see as the opposing forces just take, just exploit and take, I'm not about, I'm so, I'm just like, I'm on the side of the people, the people yeah. who, who are making community and lifting folks, not exploiting. So, 
so that's, I don't know, that's where my heart is and I think will continue to be. And that's, that's, that's what I'm hopeful for. That's the folks that I'm hopeful will stay here and really dig in and, and use this time to get some of that spirit of San Francisco back. Mm. No, and, 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 I, and, I, and I'm It's going to be you. different. It's going to be different. It's not, we can't go back to anything that was before, exactly. but we, but we can take lessons learned in the past um, and themes definitely so so vote people <laughs> absolutely there's there's my other shout out i know yeah, i love it there it is my stickers okay i gotta send the ballot right now but yeah vote. do it do it <laughs> you know and, and and what i love about your podcast and i'm gonna quote you actually you, you call it an ongoing documentary of life of art of businesses and everything in between you know, it really sums up what you're doing. Um, and, and as a native San Franciscan, like, I'm like, oh my God, like, I, I, I'm like worshiping you because, yeah, you capture uh, people's essence. You know, you capture the, the real stories behind what makes San Francisco a beautiful space. You know, I want to share this photo. Well, it's, it's a compilation of photos. This is from your very own uh, Michelle, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, she so this just, was for reimagine. Was it okay? Yeah. And just like the, the, the how how before we leave, like how would you describe her photography? Because she's a, a big part of of uh, story that stuff. Oh yeah, you want to talk about it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so when I met her, most of her uh, photography was street photography. Mm. Um, but and to this day, most of it is still black and white. Um even though she's moved from film to digital for, for us, she still mm -hmm. does her own film photography. Mm -hmm. But I, I guess what I would say is gritty realness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for her to switch from street to gritty more realness. kind of por portraiture type, uh, type photography, there was a learning curve for her. But mm -hmm. so I should say by quick way of explanation, there have been a couple times when like she couldn't make it or, and so I ended up doing like the photos on my phone and I'm like, oh no, I mean, they're fine. They're yeah. fine. They did the job done, but I'm like, no, this is why you're, that's you. This yeah. is why. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, not only her technical skills, but her human skills, her rapport mm. that she, that she builds with people. Nine times out of 10, we do photos after we record. So she gets a chance to sit there and like, listen and get to know the, the folks as well and then of course that informs what she ends up doing for her photography Wonderful. and um yeah. i am so i mean just so at, on the verge of tears just so grateful to yeah. be doing this with her because She's when i listen to you to the podcast and then associate the photo it, it's like a match made in heaven yeah like she, she feels uh you know their creativity their background their history and then just yeah captures it in that one photo so kudos to you thank uh, you Michelle. Leave, i always have to ask these questions thank oh, you absolutely yeah let's do it um three questions one favorite restaurant in san francisco oh man i know i know superlatives i hate superlatives i'm also a libra well, well, fine. i'll just we'll keep it in the realm of a few of your favorites okay cool uh well uh not only a favorite but a shout out because i know those folks tony's uh pizza and palatana over in north beach um, going back old school to my roots in San Francisco, Puerto Alegre in the mission. Um, hello. hello, Puerto. Love you. Had so many birthdays and just celebrations there. Some of which I remember. Um, uh, yeah, there it is. Wow. You know, I, I like a lot of the old school restaurants, Tadich Grill, um, down in the financial district, uh, Gold Mirror out on Taraval. Uh, you know, old school Italian, Joseph Westlake, got it. I know it's not the city, but got to love Joseph Westlake. Uh-huh. Man, I don't know. It's just, I know I'm forgetting so many, probably restaurants that my friends own. Sorry, guys. No worries. Good. No, and I'm, I'm writing down a list because every time I ask, I'm like, babe, we're going to go eat here. <laughs> oh, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> there they are. Yeah. There yeah. go near. Super old school Italian. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Awesome stuff. What about your favorite street or streets? Uh, shout out to Calle 24. Sorry, oh, in the mission, wow. I've always oh, yeah, okay. So, when I lived in the mission, I lived uh on 20th Street between Mission and Valencia. Uh -huh. But, but already in 2003, when I moved there, my I was just like, when I discovered, I don't know when it was I discovered 24th Street, but I was like, 
this. Yeah. This. Yeah. Um, and to this day, despite the gentrification, I still love 24th Street. Shout yeah. out to La Palma. Oh, First and foremost, La Palma. There yesterday, actually. They gave me a pound of carnitas. Okay, so we're having dinner tonight. Is that what oh, you're yeah, saying? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Send over, you know, just awesome. bring the salsa, make the red and, 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 and green salsa. Uh, I'm going to give the salsa to them. <laughs> no, that's great. No, we love La Palma. Love Shout it. out to La Palma. Um, your favorite park? I'm just going to go with lately because uh, there's so many parks in the city and they're all dope in one way or another. Mm -hmm. But lately, for some reason, probably because I've I've switched uh, where I live, but I, I'm digging Alamo Square. And mm -hmm. I've always loved Alamo Square. Uh, I lived at Webster and Hayes for a minute and used to take my dog there. But lately, on the west side, uh -huh. I'm like, yeah, there's the there's the painted, painted ladies lady. and the fa famous view. But if you go to the other side, there's it's like, especially in COVID, it's like less crowded. And there's dope houses right there, too, that no one takes photos of. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just, you know, it's a good, uh, for me, it's a walking distance from my house. Good walk there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just liking what Alamo Square is bringing. So. Great. Cool. Uh, let's wrap it up. Okay. I think the Niners are playing. Oh, then we got to get out of here. No <laughs> no, now, anything else? Anything you want to let people know? You know, what's, what's in the pipeline? What are you looking forward to with Storied SF? Yeah, so a couple of things I wanted to mention. Uh, Michelle and I believe seven other photographers are putting on an actual live show. They're going to project photos on a large wall over at 63 Bluxom Street this Thursday. I believe, it's the, I believe it's the 15th, 14, 15. I don't know what, what the date is. It's, called? it's called 214. And the significance of that is on that day, we will have been in shelter in place for 214 days. Ooh. So um, so for that show, yeah, 63 Bluxom, Battle on Burning again. Thank you for, for allowing them to do that. Local brewery next door is going to be open for takeaway food and drinks. So mm. it's going to be a, and there's, I believe there's going to be a DJ. It's going to be a real live event. Remember I those? It. I love it. I want to go. In an, but in an alley. Me? There it is. That's it. Yeah. So it's going to be in an alley. So plenty of room for folks to spread out. Wear your masks, please. Yeah. Wear your masks and vote. And vote once, but wear your mask all the time. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the other thing I wanted to shout out is uh, Bitch Talks 500th episode. That's going to be on the 21st of October at Whoa. 8 p.m. Sorry, the 214 show is going to be at 7.30. It's right there, 7.30 to 10.30. Bitch Talk uh, 500 on October 21st, starting at 8 p.m. And that's going to be a mixed kind of like live event and some pre-recorded stuff from some really amazing artists couple shout outs ruby abara irena spiritu for the music frankie quinones and a group called frangela for kind of the comedy and the politics yeah they're gonna be doing oh there then, it goes there it is yeah and then a couple of dancers uh shout out to marina nurse boogie she and, uh -huh. a, and a, a partner of hers laura i'm forgetting laura's last name and i'm sorry but they're gonna be doing uh some some dance so you got music you got comedy and politics and you got dance it's going to be a rad rad event donation cool. based please give to these ladies they're hustling they've been doing it for seven years 500 episodes and oh 500 i mean wow. you can just go through their catalog and you're like okay david diggs w Kamau bell you know the list just goes on and on and on yeah. they've had some amazing guests um and it's just a really it's for me super inspiring show i happen to know them so i also find some of the mm -hmm. some of the humor in it but it's yeah not. no no it's admirable well two things i gotta start watching the show i mean the the game and two i gotta finish the ricky rat um conversation you had which is please really do. dope people that guy. so you know let's uh let's stay in touch jeff please thank do you so much, man. thank I really you rodrigo thank you yeah. for having me i appreciate it's it it's been fun Gracias. Absolutely. All right. Ciao, mi gente. I'll see you in two weeks. Peace.